As we begin our study today, and then we'll have the baptism afterward, but as we begin our study, I want to think about a man that I never wasn't familiar with before. His name is Clive Waring. And Clive Waring is a citizen of Great Britain, and about 30 plus years ago, he was a somewhat of an acknowledged expert in particularly the field of early music. Uh, he was referred to as a musicologist, and he was a conductor, a sang in choirs, and also played the keyboard, played the piano and organ. But his life drastically changed. On May 25th, 1845, at the age of 47, he contracted herpes viral encephalitis, which normally doesn't, well, the herpes viral doesn't normally do much damage, but when it becomes encephalitis, it ended up damaging his hippocampus. And partly they've learned from his experience, partly they perhaps knew some of that before, but the hippocampus is responsible. One of the things it does is it transfers memories from short-term to long-term. Now, how many of you wish that maybe that was working a little bit better for you? And that's natural that uh, it maybe doesn't work as well as we'd like. But for Clive Waring, things went drastically wrong. And as he came to from this situation that he had been in, the uh, coma that he had been in, he remembered almost nothing from the past. He did remember that he had children by his first marriage, but that was about all. He did not remember their names or anything. The one thing that he did remember was his wife. Forgetting the past is a big problem. But Clive Waring did not just forget the past... He forgot the present as well. And so as he began to uh, realize that he was no longer in this coma, he would remember something for a maximum of 30 seconds. Seven to 30 seconds. That's not long-term memory, is it? And so, what it meant was that he constantly thought he was awaking from his coma. He would 
have some vague recollection of the food that he was eating, but had no idea what it tasted, because if you told him what he was eating, he would forget what it was by the time the fork got to his mouth. Now, there was some muscle memory that was preserved. He could sit down and play difficult pieces on a piano or organ, but could not tell you what the piece was at all. It seemed as if the muscle memory and the music carried him along. Every time he sees his wife, it's like he's seeing her for the first time after parting for years. And so he is always joyously greeting her, even if she leaves the room for a glass of water. There's pictures of his journal. They asked him to start keeping a journal. And he writes the time, 7.45. I'm waking up, 8 o'clock. I'm really waking up now, 8.10. I'm truly awaking from this sickness. And he crosses it out and writes it again. And there's pages of this that he would do 20 years after. He was diagnosed with anterior grade and retrograde amnesia. Knowing Not remembering is a major issue, isn't it? We're familiar with forgetting. We might forget if we go into the next room to get something. We might forget what we went to get. But fortunately, our our remembering goes more than 30 seconds. Not remembering the past is very debilitating. Not remembering the present is even more debilitating. Today we're going to be looking briefly at the book of Deuteronomy. And I believe that Deuteronomy can be summarized down to three words. And those three words of the message of Deuteronomy is simply, Remember your God. Think of Moses' situation here. He has spent the last 40 years of his life guiding this rebellious congregation. He brought them out of Egypt. He has seen all of the adults die. He's seen the children come up He knows that within just a few hours or few days, he is going to climb Mount Nebo by himself and not come back down. He knows that he is going to hand off the care of the Israelites to Joshua. But he knows the tendency of the congregation of Israel here and he is 
desperately concerned that they are going to forget their God. Would he be justified in having that concern? He had seen it again and again, hadn't he? He had seen them as they went through the Red Sea and God miraculously delivered them. He sees them a few days later complaining because there's no food. God provides food for them and he sees them complaining because there is no water. Again and again, they're forgetting the power of God to work. And he knows he's not going to be able to guide them into the promised land. He's not going to be able to give them the directions and the counsels that he has given them all of this time. And heavy upon his heart is the thought that they are going to forget their God. And so he renews and he calls them to remember As I look at the book of Deuteronomy, I see four major sections in it. Chapters 1 to 3 of Deuteronomy, he is calling them to remember God's leading. Chapters 4 through 11, he is calling them to remember God's commands. Chapters 12 to 26, which there is some new material, but mostly it is repetition. He is calling them to remember God's word. And then at the last part of the book, 27 to 34, he is calling them to remember God's covenant. Remember God's leading. Remember God's commands. Remember God's words. Remember God's covenant. Remember, remember. Remember. It's interesting that the book of Deuteronomy is one of the most quoted books in the New Testament. It's interesting that Jesus quotes from Deuteronomy three times when he's tempted by the devil. I believe there's something in Deuteronomy that speaks to us still today. Perhaps because, just like the Israelite multitude, we are prone to forget as well. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8 somewhat summarizes the entirety of the book. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Notice what Moses says here. He says, you shall remember the Lord your God. But what were they to remember about the Lord their God here? That he led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years, right? Remember that the Lord your God led you. 
Why did he tell them to remember that God led them? Okay, we're prone to forget. If they remembered that God delivered them from Egypt with those mighty plagues, would that be a help to them? If they remembered that God opened the Red Sea before them and they walked across on dry land, would that be a help to them? If they remembered that God rained down their food from heaven for 40 years, would that be a help to them? If they remembered that God split the rock and water gushed out wherever they traveled, would that be a help to them? If they remembered what led them in their rebellion back into the wilderness when they refused to believe God's power, would that be a help to them? You go through their experiences. If God can open the Red Sea, can he open any calamity before them as well? If God can rain down manna from heaven for 40 years, can he provide for their needs now? But they forgot again and again. Have you ever forgot how God has worked in your life? Have you ever forgot again and again? Do you know many of the times that we get into trouble in our spiritual life is because we forget what God has done for his people anciently and what he's done for us. If God opened the Red Sea for his people, then can he do it today? If God provided water in a wilderness for a million plus people, can he provide for our needs today? We, we read the story and we say, yes, God can provide. He provided for them. And then we get a little test, like we're tested whether we're going to return to God a faithful tithe or not, and we question whether God can provide for us. Does it make sense? If we remembered that God provided for the children of Israel all that time in the wilderness, you know, stretching our little, our, our bank account a little bit isn't a hard thing for Him, is it? We're confronted with the decision of whether we're going to honor God in every area of our life, whether we're going to keep His commandments or his Sabbath, whatever, and we say, oh, but if I do this, I'll lose my job, or we'll say, oh, if I if I do this, how am I going to be provide for my family? If God provided for the children of Israel all that time, can he still provide for us today? There's a reason that Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says, I am the Lord, I change not. I think that's 3.6. <laughs> One of the two. There's a reason that in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, it says, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
He's the same God that worked in the biblical times. He's the same God that's worked in our lives. He's the same God that's going to work when we have difficulties that we're facing today. And Moses appeals to them and he says, you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all this way. We need to remember how God led the people of old. We need to remember how God has led us. Are there times when you have seen God working directly in your life? We need to remember that. Now there is something interesting here in verse 3. Let's read verse 3. So he humbled you and allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Did God provide for them? Did God provide for them in advance. Yes and no. <laughs> God knew what he was going to do. He had a way prepared, didn't he? Did they know it in advance? Notice what it says. He humbled them and allowed you to hunger. Could God have started raining man on the very morning that they left Egypt? Could God have done that? Nothing's too hard for the Lord, is it? No problem. But that's not what he did. They had bread in their kneading troughs. The Bible talks about, probably it was unleavened bread at that point, but they had that. They had their provisions. And God allowed them to partake of their provisions until it says he allowed them to hunger. That means they ran out of food and then not only did they run out of food, but he didn't provide for them until they hungered. That's what it says. Why did God allow them to hunger? Maybe he could have, you know, just let them run out of food and then provided for them. If we get down to a dollar in our bank account, do we get pretty anxious about that? Okay, sometimes you're happy when you have the dollar. <laughs> but when there's nothing there, we would prefer that God would somehow work to supply it before we got down to nothing, right? But that's not the way he did it here. It says he allowed them to hunger. And then he says why he allowed them to hunger. Fed you with manna which you did not know, nor did your fathers know. Then notice next, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. He was testing them. What? Why? So that they could see what was in their own heart. Do you know, God knows what's in our heart. 
But the tragedy is, we don't know what's in our heart. We might think we have great faith. The children of Israel might have thought that they had great faith. And God says, okay, I'm glad you think you have great faith. Let's see what happens when there's no food to eat. God was allowing trials and difficulties to reveal to them their lack of faith and the faith that needed to grow in their lives. Does God do the same way for us today? Can hungering, metaphorically speaking, can hungering be a blessing to us? And maybe literally speaking sometimes too. If it leads us to trust more fully in God, And notice what he wanted them to know. Now we're familiar with this last part of the verse. Why do we know this last part of the verse? Somebody in the New Testament quotes it. Who quotes it? Jesus quotes it, doesn't he? And here Moses is saying that God wants us to know that man does not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He wants us to know that man are, what is bread alone? That is providing for our physical needs, isn't it? That man does not live by physical needs alone. But there's something greater and more important. When Jesus quoted this verse, He was hungering much more than the children of Israel ever hungered in the wilderness. For 40 days, he had abstained from food. You know, sometimes if we struggle with an addiction and there's cravings there, Jesus demonstrated that he broke not just the cravings of an addiction, but he endured past the cravings of food. And he is literally about to die of starvation. And the devil comes to him and says, you see those rocks over there? Those nice, smooth, rounded rocks. Those are loaves. Those could be loaves of bread. All you have to do is just say so. And really, if you are the Son of God, you could do that. You would demonstrate your power. And you wouldn't die of starvation. And what does Jesus say? Man shall not live by bread alone but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. To Jesus, he had learned the lesson that Israel failed to learn. Jesus redeemed their failure in the wilderness. Jesus showed that following God's word was more important than any earthly consideration. Jesus demonstrated that following God's word is more, was more significant than 
life itself. He would rather die than go against God's word. And that's what God was trying to teach the children of Israel in the wilderness. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. There's something more important than our physical needs, and that is our connection with God. Obedience to God means more than having food on the table or in the cupboards or something in our bank account. And Moses, as he knows that he has almost no time left with his people, says, remember your God. Remember your God that led you. Remember your God that fed you. Remember your God that provided for you. Remember your God that taught you in your trials. Remember Him. Because He knew how prone to spiritual amnesia the people were. And so he reviews their history in verses one to th- or chapters one to three of Deuteronomy. He goes over the giving of the commandments in four and five and six. He reviews here the importance of obedience to God's commandments. He reminds them of significant aspects that God has given that they are to live by. You know, Deuteronomy is different from Numbers or Leviticus. In both Numbers and Leviticus, there are There are different things that are talked about, but they're more dealing with how the priest would do in the sanctuary and the services and all of this. Deuteronomy almost exclusively focuses on the duties of the congregation, what the people are to do. And he comes to the last part of Deuteronomy. It's really his appeal. Let's go there. Deuteronomy 29. Deuteronomy 29, verse 9. Therefore, keep the words of this covenant. And do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. Moses says, here's the covenant. Do them, so that you will prosper. And he continues, and he says, uh, actually before that, in chapter 28, well, 27 and 28, he goes over how they're going to be blessed if they're obedient. And how they're going to be cursed if they're disobedient. And he is presenting to them that God's ways are always the best. Is that still true for us today? God's ways are always the best for us. Faith is simply believing that God's way is better than my way. 
Many times we try to work our way out, solve our own problems, and we end up making a bigger mess. Moses is appealing to the people, follow God's way. It will be a blessing to you. It will cause God to... All these other blessings will follow in its train. But it all comes down to remembering the God that led you and fed you and cared for you and taught you in the wilderness. If we remember Him, that's going to lead us to obedience. If we forget Him, that's going to lead us away. Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 8. He specifically warns them of a couple pitfalls here. Let's read verses 11 to 14 of Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and your gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, when your heart is lifted up and you, what does he say? Forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. What does he say here? He says, be careful that you don't forget the Lord by not keeping his commandments because I know your tendency. God's going to bless you. You're going to have houses. You're going to have, uh, the garden is going to bear for you. All of these things are going to happen and you're going to forget God. Your heart is going to be lifted up. Does that still happen today? Do you know John Wesley, great reformer, but he had somewhat of a pessimistic concept of Christianity. Maybe I shouldn't say Christianity, but of man's reaction to God's blessing. He noticed that There's a revival and people turn to the Lord and God blesses them. And their children are blessed, but maybe they're not as strong in their faith as the others were. And he says by the third or fourth generation, God's blessing have led people to forget God and you need to start a revival all over again. And Moses is appealing to them, don't forget, don't allow God's blessings, whether they're temporal or physical or spiritual or whatever they are, don't allow God's blessings to lead you away from obedience to Him. Notice verses 17 and 18. Then you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. What's the tendency? To think when we work our hours, we deserve that paycheck. 
That's the way this world works, isn't it? If we study hard for that test, we get that grade. And Moses says, no, you're leaving out the biggest part of the equation. It was God that gave you the power, the ability. He's the one. Don't forget him. There's another interesting aspect. In chapter 7 and in chapter 9, God reminds them why he is doing all of his wondrous things for the children of Israel. In verse 4, he says of chapter 9, Do not think in your heart that it's because of your righteousness. It's not because of your righteousness. It's because of their wickedness. I'm putting you in this land not because you are righteous, but because they are wicked. Notice chapter 7, verses 6 and 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for himself, a special treasure above all the peoples on the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, but for you were the least of all peoples. God did not choose you because you're good. He didn't choose you because you're great. He chose you because he is good and he is great. He loves us. Not because we're good. Not because we have particular talents. Not because we're righteous. But he loves us and he chooses us because he is good and he is love. Continues here that he wanted to keep his word to their fathers. We need to recognize We are blessed by God because He is good. He is love. He has entered a covenant with us because He is good. He is love. And He asks us not to forget Him. Really, it's that simple. Remember your God. I know your tendency. Spiritual amnesia is pandemic in the world. And I began by talking about Clive Waring, who can remember a maximum of 30 seconds. Spiritually, how long do we remember? Do we even remember that long? God blesses us and we think it's because of our goodness that he blessed us. God works for us and the minute we face another obstacle, we forget how God has worked in our lives. 
and Moses' appeal throughout the book of Deuteronomy is don't forget your God. Remember your God. And as you remember him, what he's done for you, that he loves you, as you remember that, let it lead you to obedience to him. Because that's the best way for you. God is still trying to bring his people to the promised land just like he did then. But he can only bring a people that remember him. That don't forget him at the earliest possible opportunity. I want to be somebody that remembers God. Do you want to remember your God? Remember his leading in your life. Remember his leading throughout antiquity. Remember your God.